morning, crypto. Good morning, warriors. Hello and welcome back to another episode of your favorite crypto news channel, Good Morning Crypto, where we bring you the most relevant and impactful crypto-related topics from the top crypto research team in the world. I'm your host, Abs, joined by several members of our 3T family this morning. We got the Italian stallion, Mr. Johnny Crypto Gonzo, also known as Super G, is in the building. And our good friend, Andrew Cashflow, also known as the Cashflow King, is joining us. So I'm very excited for this episode. Today in Good Morning Crypto, we'll be discussing how Bank of America says crypto regulation will be key to United States adoption of digital assets, as the World Economic Forum denies having any connection to Shiba Inu's metaverse project. Mark Yusko is doubling down on his six-figure price target for Bitcoin, claiming this asset has the potential to replace gold. While Elon Musk is ready for payment integration on Twitter, potentially bringing over 200 million new users to the crypto market. Ripple vs. the SEC is coming to a close as, as they filed summary judgments this week, and a new video has emerged from Gary Gensler back in 2018, stating that maybe Goldman Sachs knows who Satoshi is. Our show was available on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Music. And for those of you listening via podcast, our show is live on YouTube Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern at the 3T Warrior Academy channel. So, Johnny, you can see we've got a plethora of news planned for today. But before that, how was your weekend, my friend? Thank you for being here. My favorite part is live. I always get excited when that happens. What a difference a week makes, boys. I'm feeling a lot, lot better than last week, thank God. So first of all, let me just say good morning to all the Warrior Maniacs out there. Love you guys. Appreciate you guys. Thank you for all the, the, the healing vibrations everybody sent. And to Gonzo and everybody else, appreciate you guys. And great to see you guys all. So uh, good morning to everybody. Happy Merlin Monday, my friends. But we got Andrew Cashflow in the building. Andrew, really excited to have you here. And I saw some interesting news from the, the Netherlands today. So I'm glad to see you're doing okay. How you feeling, my friend? And thank you for being here. Yeah, good morning, everybody. Good afternoon for all the, the people who are watching from, from Europe. So I uh, had an excellent weekend. It's cold. It's around the freezing here. Last uh, well, Yesterday, we went to a Christmas uh, fair in, in Germany. Because, yeah, we are near to Germany. It was very nice and uh, looking forward to, again, a wonderful show with you guys. Uh, love to be here. Thank you for being here, Andrew. And Gonzo, also known as Super G, is in the building. Gonzo, you sent us a pretty cool picture back from the 90s of you and your wife. That was pretty awesome. So I just <laughs> wanted to give you a shout out there. How are you feeling, my friend? And thank you for being here this morning. Uh, I'm doing good. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. Thanks for being here. Yeah, uh, I had a great weekend. Um, Shelly's sick, so she's actually in the chat right there. So I hope you're feeling better. Um, she stayed home from work sick. So, um, yeah, you know, uh, it was a good weekend, though. Um, I, I worked on um, for my job. I do this toy drive. So we collect a lot of toys for like um, underprivileged kids or families that can't afford presents. So, so that was really cool. And then uh, a lot of research and stuff like that. That's awesome, Gonzo. Glad to hear that. And thank you for being here, my friend. We got 142 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. We're about to dive into all the most relevant topics. But before we do that, we're going to start this show off the same way we always do by showing you our good morning crypto Twitter account. That's at 3TGM Crypto on Twitter. You get access to every single member of our team. Go smash that follow button. We love talking to you. The Bitcoin fear and greed index is sitting at the exact same place it was on Friday, Johnny Crypto. We're sitting at a 26, but overall, it looks like there's some interesting daily movers. We got Litecoin up 7%, Sand is up 6%, and I believe I saw Mana up 4% this morning. So although those aren't big numbers, it's exciting to see some green. We're sitting at $857 billion in total market cap. Bitcoin is 38% dominance. Ethereum is about 18%. 
We've got Bitcoin sitting at 17,100. Ethereum is 1,200. XRP is 39 cents. Litecoin is $80. Stellar is 8 cents. I can't believe Stellar is that low at 8 cents. Algorand is 24. And Quant Network is 125. Gonzo, you sent us some really interesting chart analysis on Quant this weekend. But me, I saw a very, very optimistic head and shoulders pattern that formed. What are you seeing on that price chart? And how do you feel about the market overall? Yeah, you know, it's, it's going to be an interesting week. I think we're going to see a lot of volatility. You know, we have the uh, CPI numbers that come out on the 13th, the FOMC meeting on the 14th. Um, you know, uh, at the beginning, I think it was the beginning of the month or a few weeks ago when Powell spoke, he spoke about um, it was very dovish, right? And and led people to believe that, you know, that, that we might see a pivot coming here pretty soon. Um, and so that led uh, the statistics that, hey, we're going to get maybe 50 basis points. But what happened since then is that we had the job numbers come out and the job numbers don't look bad. They want them to look bad, right? We understand that people losing their jobs is not a good thing. But for what the uh, Fed is doing, um, they want job numbers to be bad and they weren't as bad. So it's going to be very interesting because the market obviously rallied. It's rallying right now. Um, I don't see Bitcoin, you know, I, I see us ra rallying up, but we'll see if we can get, get above 18,000. Right. But I could see us. Um, and we also have the full moon coming up. I think that's December 7th. That's usually bearish energy. Um, so I, I think we're, what that leads to is just a lot of volatility. But whether it's the full moon in December or the full moon in January, you know, we got to be getting close to that bottom. Thank you, Gonzo. And I want to hear from Johnny Crypto this morning. Johnny, I want to dive right into this news around Bank of America. But before we do that, is there any projects that you've been keeping an eye on? And how do you feel about this bear market overall? A lot of people are talking about this tether collapse. I'm excited to ask Mark Yusko later in the week. Yeah, I mean, let's not hope for a tether collapse. We get a tether collapse. You're going to see a bottom. That's for sure. You're going to see you're going to see worse than a bottom. So let's let's not hope that happens. But Let's also be prepared in case it does, because, you know, certainly they're acting very shady, not being willing to share a lot of the, you know, the, 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 the reserves behind it obviously is not a good sign. So we'll have to wait and see what happens. But if it does happen, that'll most certainly, I think, bring the bottom in for sure. You'll probably see, you know, maybe a wick down to 7,000 K or I mean, 7 K in Bitcoin. So again, that's my guess, but. Let's, let's hope that doesn't happen, to be honest with the apps. And just to add some perspective for our listeners out there, the FTX collapse was $9 billion. A tether collapse could be $65 billion. And so much of the daily volume that happens today mm. happens in tether stablecoins. So it's really, really big catalyst for the market. But let's dive into the biggest news we got for today. As Bank of America says regulation is going to be key for mainstream crypto adoption. And one of the articles that this reminds me of is just last week, Bank of America said they're waiting for the SEC case to be over before they start leveraging XRP for cross-border payments. The bankruptcy of FTX and its affiliated trading firm Almeida Research is a major blow to the cryptocurrency industry's credibility. But there are some silver linings, said Bank of America. An increased urgency for regulation may enable greater institutional engagement and a shift in focus and capital from speculative trading projects to projects with real-world functionality. Bank of America is one of the largest players in this market, Andrew Cashflow, and it's exciting to see them be an advocate publicly for a lot of the underlying technology with these projects. So how do you feel about this Bank of America news? Regardless of the bear market, the largest banks are still adopting this technology. Now, the, the fun part of uh, Bank of America is because I'm also trading in, in stocks and I just made an, uh, a 10% uh, profit with Bank of America. And you see just, yeah, you know, just before the news, because the, the recent top was for Bank of America 
somewhere by the uh, 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 11th uh, of, of November, 15th of November, so last month. So you see really that stuff is, yeah, it's front running uh, and, and stuff is going up. And now, now it's, it, it's down already for, uh, for, for 10, 10% since this uh, recent top. So yeah, there are interesting things are going on. And what you also see in, in those markets that people know more. And you see first, you see the movement of the, of the coins. And then it comes into the news. But then, yeah, you know, uh, uh, stuff is already higher. But uh, yeah, I totally agree that we need regulation because all those institutional uh, uh, investors, yeah, they're just waiting because they cannot take the risk without regulation they cannot take the risk to lose money from their clients but if that goes open the the the, the floodgates yeah it, it's great you know and we're also waiting for for ex, for the xrp case um and maybe uh, usdt will collapse and and you know what then i would prefer to let it collapse now instead of maybe in a year when we are in the next stop because then it will hurt so much people again you know because people forget to take profits so uh yeah let's hope it will collapse if it needs to collapse that it will collapse soon gonzo and i heard something fascinating on the coach jv and ken mack show this morning they were actually discussing how when one of these banks or institutions starts adopting xrp or any currency for on-demand liquidity they're going to be able to transfer a billion dollars for less than 30 cents right now they charge you 17 percent for that transaction so whatever the math is on that i believe it would be about what 170 million dollars they would charge you to transfer your money that's one of the reasons I think this news is so important. And one of the most important highlights in this article is that despite the bear market, most of the cryptocurrencies have fallen around 65% on the year. But if you look back and you zoom out since 2016, many of the most prominent projects are up over 2,100% over the last six years. So Gonzo, what do you think about the banks adopting this technology and the fact that once one of them does it, the others, they have no choice but to follow? Yeah, you know, I think it brings us into um, our utility phase. Um, you know, it's been a bad year, right, for the market. It's been a bad year for crypto. It's been one black swan event after another black swan event. But the one thing that you can't argue is that the projects with real utility um, that have a real use case, and depending on what you believe in, whether that's a Bitcoin, Ethereum, Matic, whatever that is, these projects that have real sound fundamentals and have a real technology behind them, they've continued to build, right? And so whether it's user addresses that have doubled or um, 2.5x, or the activity, the developers, um, these projects, even though we've seen some really, really bad price action, and this whole year has been really bad, um, they've continued to build. And so we're seeing an adoption of the technology, right? So you're seeing user activity actually move up or double uh, where we were at before. And that's in the middle of a bear market. Imagine what happens when we go back into a bull mode, right? And it, where it brings everyone else in. Um, uh, I think it's going to be pretty huge. But like, yeah, I, I think what it comes down to is we're getting pretty close to the bottom. And Johnny, we've got several massive catalysts on the horizon, whether it's the Ripple versus the SEC case or Twitter possibly integrating payments onto their platform. Lots of major news here. So I'd love to get some comments from you before we dive into our news for today. You know, I think it's always exciting. I think they're going to fall like dominoes. We've been saying this for a while. As you start to see one, then the next one, then the next one, they're all going to start to join <clears throat> join the party. They have to. I mean, there's no data, no way around it. We know that this is coming, so I do think you'll see adoption coming. For me, what I'm concerned about this article I saw this weekend, where BitBoy was talking. About, I don't think I saw him in the newspaper. That um, I guess there's some conversations he was having with the FBI 
And he got the sense from that that there was no plan for regulation coming. So that was a bit of a, a shocker. And, you know, the good news is he'll be on. BitBoy will be on here in uh, two weeks, next week, actually. So uh, can't wait to get him on and probe a little bit more about that to find out what's going on. Because all you keep hearing about is regulations coming, regulations coming, regulations coming. And that was a little bit of um, a shocker, to be honest with you, to me when I heard that. Thank you, Johnny. I got stuck on the other page there, but I'm excited to show our listeners this video right here as Elon Musk made a major announcement in regards to Twitter and the possibility of integrating cryptocurrencies. We got 202 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. We're about to break this down. Could Twitter possibly integrate cryptocurrency? Let's listen to Elon Musk. Example, it's not like we would copy WeChat exactly, but it's just WeChat does a lot of, has a lot of functionality that Twitter should have. Um, like it's kind of a no-brainer for Twitter to have payments, um, both fiat currency and crypto, and to make that that easy uh, and simple for people to use. Um, uh, as we talked about earlier, adding uh, the ability to post long form. I think that's really exciting, and he pretty much said it all there, Johnny Crypto. The two things that stuck out to me is he's looking forward to incorporating fiat but also cryptocurrency. But the second thing I thought was most important, he wants it to be seamless and he wants it to be effortless. One of the things that Elon Musk always talks about is simplicity is the key to success. The less you ask the user to do, the more likely they are to use your product. So if he can integrate cryptocurrency onto this platform seamlessly, that could be a major catalyst for the cryptocurrency markets. Johnny, I'm going to kick it to you and then we'll go to Gonzo. Uh, No, 100%. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, I say this all the time. Even when we're developing Merlin, right? We talked about simplicity is key. You have to keep things simple because the reality is coach talks about this all the time. You know, people have a five second attention span five. That's it. All right. I just, I just passed your, your span. Everybody is no longer engaging with me, right? Five seconds is all you have. If you make something difficult for people, people don't have time no more. People are too busy doing all these different things, right? We all are. And, 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 I'm, and I'm putting myself in that category too. We all are busy. We don't want to spend the time invested in doing stuff. So we want things simple and easy. And the companies that do things simple. And why do you think Apple became such a huge success? I remember when they first launched the very, very first iPod. And it was so simple and easy to use. It destroyed all the other, um, what we call MP3 players at the time that were out there. Because they were more difficult to use. So the key is simplicity. And Elon knows that. And he's got the money. And more importantly, he already has the vision. He's already got the model. It's easy. WeChat already showed what you need to do to be successful. I mean, you go to China, everybody in the middle uses WeChat. And like, I remember I was out there and they like paying with their phone. I'm like, what are you using? And they used WeChat to pay their bill. I was like, wow, that's interesting. That was the, that was the app we used to talk to each other out there. So, um, and then it dawned on me like, oh, he's going to literally bring that here. And you go, you should see it. So you can envision Twitter already very popular here in the U.S. And now if it's your main payment form as well, and not only fiat, but crypto, he's brilliant. Gonzo, I'm going to kick it straight to you there. Johnny Mucker yeah. pretty much just said it all. Yeah, I mean, just like Johnny's saying, like if you look at previous videos of Elon Musk when they were creating PayPal, that was supposed to be a system that existed outside of the fiat system. That's what he was trying to do. It ended up not working out that way. It ended up funneling the fiat system and he moved on from it. But um, I think Mentelec was spot on. He made a comment that it was never about free speech. It's about a payment rail. And I believe that 100%, right? This is Elon's shot at doing what he wanted to do with PayPal. He can now do it with um, Twitter. So absolutely, he's going to incorporate fiat. He's going to incorporate cryptocurrency. This was the plan for PayPal way back when, and that vision never came to fruition. 
But um, I do believe he's going to do it this time with Twitter. He already has the user base. It's all right there in front of him. And like Johnny said, there's already an example of it in China. But um, I think this is what he was trying to do originally with PayPal. He's going to do it with Twitter. Andrew, I'd love to get some closing remarks from you here because Charles Hotskins, the founder of ADA, brought up a really interesting point. If you can seamlessly integrate cryptocurrencies into Twitter, the the amount of people would nearly double within this market. Today, we only have about 300 million users in cryptocurrency. The amount of users on Twitter alone is larger than that number. So the catalyst, it could be phenomenal. I'd love to get some closing remarks from you. Then we're going to dive into some Mark Yusko news around FTX and the Bitcoin price chart. You know, as well, what we always say, and we keep saying it, it's all about adoption. And if you can get a user base this big on Twitter using uh, 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 at least payments in the platform, that's fantastic. And by the way, why does it take so long? I can send you a, a photo, a text, a voice message, a video message, and I can't send you $10? Isn't that weird with, with the technology we have today? So I would say to uh, to Elon, hurry up, man. We are waiting for you. You heard him, Elon. Andrew Cashflow is waiting on you, my friend. And we're about to dive into some very interesting news from Mark Yusko, as he believes that Sam Bankman, Fried, and Caroline are just pawns in a much larger game. Johnny, I'm going to let this short clip play, and we're going right back to you. Here we go. The guy who came in to clean a mess, that it was a bigger mess than Enron, right? Less controls, worse accounting, more fraud. Okay, Enron is a pretty big mess. Um, so this is worse than that. I'll argue that, you know, after watching a lot of content from, from Sam and Caroline, they are not the masterminds. No, no chance of that. So uh, I don't think this was neglect. I don't think this was uh, a mistake. Uh, I think this was cold, calculated, uh, intentional, destruction uh by you know somebody much higher up in in the food chain and these two are useful idiots uh and i use that term intentionally love that johnny and i'm excited for this wednesday as we're going to hear a lot more from mark Gusco on this topic but johnny i'm just going to give you the open floor what does this clip mean to you that they are most likely not the true criminals behind this collapse and what is the true purpose if FTX was collapsed on purpose, do you believe it was for regulation or is there another narrative going on here? This is why I absolutely love Mark Yusko. I, I love him. I can't wait to have him on the show Wednesday. Guys, he's going to be on this week, Wednesday. Don't miss it. Set your calendars. Don't miss this one. But he's just not afraid to call it like it is. I mean, listen, here's the deal. All right. First of all, I know Becky's out there and her children are home. So I just want them to know that. All right. We're going to pull this out here. This is a rat snake we that Becky and her husband sent me. And let me just remind everybody where, where Sam Bank Friedman is. Now, the rat weasel stops here. But when we get to Bank Friedman, fraud man, mini man, we actually break the scale. He goes off the scale. That's how big of a rat snake weasel he is. But <clears throat> I totally agree with Yusko that when you listen to these two guys, clowns talk, these two children, they have no fear. Yusko comes from the space apps. He knows what it takes to be able to set up all these complex derivatives and all these different types of things. And when you talk to these two kids, they don't have a freaking clue of how to even do any of that stuff, right? So I think it's pretty obvious. You know, anybody who's in the space, their BS meter kicks on pretty quick. They're like, listen, this guy don't know what the hell he's even doing. So most likely they were just fronts for somebody else. I have no idea who it was. I I will push back a little bit of that on that, Johnny, because he obviously, this kid came came from uh, private school, Stanford, you know, parents are worked at Stanford. That's what the area who's around MIT. 
he obviously is a ma- ma- master manipulator, right? He comes off as a complete and total idiot, but he obviously worked these people, right? Like he worked venture capital, right? He got Silicon Valley to give him billions of dollars, right? And they all worked it, whether it was the media, whether it was venture capital, he worked that room, right? And he's continuing to work the room now, right? As he plays like he's dumb and he's stupid and he didn't know what's going on. I do believe that it goes up higher, but he obviously, if he was as stupid as they say he is, he wouldn't have been able to manipulate all the people he was able to manipulate well, well, let, let me, in the SEC. Let me give you the other side of the coin. So you say he, or again, if he's just the front, maybe it's the conversations happening in the back room with the big boys where the money's really moving. And he's just the guy in the front, you know, on the microphone doing the talking and he ain't going to do nothing. So the reality is you're never going to know. But I trust guys like Yusko who knows this space. And if he's certainly saying, you know, that there's, there's a higher up power that's driving this, most likely there's a higher up driver power driving this. And these, these conversations happened way before SBF even had a clue what's going on. They just put him out there as a puppet because the money was coming either way. But again, we're not going to know. But I'm going to put my money on that scenario. And I could be wrong, but that, that's just – I'm going to go with Yasko on this one. Sorry. Sorry, guys. Thank you, Johnny. And we got 245 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. Gonzo, you brought up something fantastic, which is that he's playing dumb and he has one of the best resumes in the space. This is, an, this is a perfect example of the resume that Sam Bankman-Fried has before he collapsed FTX. So we're going to hear it straight from the horse's mouth and go back to the group. Here we go. Now you look at SBF, it's the exact opposite. He went to the perfect elite private high school. Then he went to one of the most prestigious elite private universities. MIT. His parents teach governance of all things at one of the most elite liberal institutions in America. Stanford. They are in the establishment of the progressive left. Bingo. And what happened was he took customer funds and all of this money He made tens of millions of dollars of political donations. He wrapped himself in this blanket of a progressive left-leaning cause called effective altruism. And all of the mainstream media fell for it and embraced him, as well as some politicians. And they fell for it and embraced him because he was putting money in their pockets. Johnny, I want to hear some thoughts from you. Then we'll go to Andrew Cashflow. The floor is yours. When you're going to pick a pansy, you're going to pick one that has all the credentials. (laughs) <laughs> Look at, you know, I mean, then I go back to the guy, you know, um, you know, you, you always go back to the, the credentials. So, of course, it looks like he has everything up. I had to pick somebody that that went to some high school and some college that nobody heard of. It wouldn't make no sense. You got to pick somebody that, you know, has the credentials, has the background and all that kind of stuff. Makes total sense. But again, listen to him and the other one talk. Almeida research there. The, the kid that's about 12 years old. The capabilities to be able to do something like this. I don't know. Just just seems kind of on a low level to me, but it doesn't matter. What really matters here is that a lot of people got hurt and a lot of people lost money. And that's the part that sucks. And that's the part that that really, you know, and it really hurt this industry significantly. You asked the question before, as Jesco says, the question is more important than the answer. and Nobody has it. Why did this happen? What was the purpose? What were they trying to achieve? Hard to say right now. Don't know. Were they setting up crypto to be able to say, look, this thing is scammy? And it's you know corrupt, and there's no safety regulations around. Was it to filter money into certain countries that are then kicking money back to us? Was it to you know fund one side of the party? I have no idea. Was it all oh. the above? Or <laughs> A, B, and C, multiple choice, baby. I, I don't really know the answer to it. All I know is innocent people 
guys like us, guys like our Warriors lost a lot of money for it. And that's the part that sucks. And so, guys, you know, just be very careful. I like this is why you got to take Andrew's approach. Oh, Andrew's over here. You got to take his approach. You put two to five hundred dollars in your investment and nothing more because this way, God forbid, if you do end up losing something, you know, it doesn't really hurt you. And get your money off the exchanges. You can't trust any of them right now. And I'm the biggest advocate for certain exchanges like Kraken, who I truly believe in. And you know, and I've started to move some stuff off of exchanges because again, it's just you just don't know which one's going to go next. Andrew, I'm going right to you here, but I just want to make one quick comment. If there's anything I've learned from doing research for the show every day, the number one thing that sticks out to me is a lot of the people I wish I could trust mislead the public time and time again. And Kevin O'Leary is one of those people on that list. When I first started doing the show, I loved Kevin O'Leary. I came over from Shark Tank. I thought he told it how it is. He's one of the guys who gives it to us straightforward. I'm about to show our listeners a clip of him not only misleading the public with FTX, but stating he was financially incentivized to have people use this exchange. I want to get some quick comments from you, and then we'll play that clip, Andrew. You know, I, I also loved uh, uh, Gary Gensler, you know, because he, he taught, taught me a lot of stuff about crypto uh, four years ago when he was a teacher at, uh, at MIT. So, and, and, you know, the learning here is as soon as you give your money to a centralized entity, the trust is gone. And you know, and 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 in in nowadays in in big banks, you know, they are all yeah covered by the governments. So how are they covered by the people? Because they will be built out. And now we see all the shit coming up. And as soon as you yeah give your money to a centralized entity, uh, nobody really nobody can be trusted. And I'm also moving my coins actually from every central entity, also from Kraken, but also from Binance and from Coinbase. You know, we are really in such a bad period at this moment. But as soon as we go up again, yeah, from, from these lows, then there is again enough money enough. And then and then we can go back to, to, to earning on centralized platform. You know, then there is no risk anymore. But if you are in the bear market, my learning at least was take your coins off in your private wallets. And, and, and yeah, okay, no, no earning at that moment. But uh, we've seen what, what happened. Gonzo, it's another example of them telling us to do one thing and then doing the other. One of the things that stuck out to me over this past week is how Coinbase is delisting XLM and XRP from their wallet due to lack of usage, right? But they're going to leave projects like shitcoins, Dogecoin, Shiba Inu, some of the most meaningless projects in this market are going to stay on their platform and be publicly promoted. And I think this is another example of people moving us away from exchanges that we can trust and into these centralized entities that are supposedly much better, but then inevitably collapse. So I'm going to let the short clip play and go right back to you, Gonzo. Here we go. I have to disclose, I'm a paid spokesperson to, uh, to FTX and a shareholder there too, because we mentioned them. And big advocate for Sam, because he has two parents that are compliance lawyers. If there's ever a place I could be that I'm not going to get in trouble, it's going to be at FTX. So, you know, that's... They're, they're great people, but he gets the joke on compliance, which is why he's working so hard to get regulation. It's unbelievable the hypocrisy going on here, Gonzo. It's like you couldn't say something worse. You couldn't have said something worse in retrospect than not only do they know regulation, they know compliance, they have the background, they have the right connections. Little did we know, less than three months later, we were going to have one of the most historical collapses for this market. And I believe it's one of the largest collapses this market will ever see. So I'd like to get some thoughts from you and we'll continue.
Yeah, and it's not just what he did back then, because a lot of the people that were spokesmen have either not talked or come out against it, right? He's continued, we saw the interview where he's continued to support SPF, saying that he's the best trader he ever saw in the right circumstances. You know, he wouldn't give him access to customer funds, but, you know, he was the best trader he ever saw. And so, it, it and, and BitBoy talks about, like, having some evidence, and I don't know if that's true or not. When we get BitBoy on the show, we can ask him about that. But I'll go back to what my original point was when this whole thing kind of happened a few weeks ago is that, and Shamat um, um, kind of made a comment about this, that I think it says more about the people, right? Whether it's the media, whether it's him, now he could be involved even more, but about how they, it's their ego, right? They can't admit that they were wrong about somebody or they can't admit that they were duped. And instead of just swallowing the, the, the bullet or the poison and saying, you know what? I misjudged this thing. I was wrong. I'm sorry. People got hurt. They lost money. They doubled down, right? Their ego won't allow them to, to just say that they're sorry and they double down and then they start justifying. They make excuses, right? And that's all to do about your ego, right? That's his ego. Whether it's the media, they can't retract the stories that they're saying. They can't, it's like their ego doesn't afford to let them be wrong or allow them that, um, this guy was bad, right? Because if they say that he was bad and it was all a scam, then it's like holding a mirror in front of them. What does that say about you, right? So 100%. that's the way I look at it. And I'm excited to show our listeners a video we have from 2018 of Gary Gensler stating Goldman Sachs knows who Satoshi is. But before we get into that, Andrew, I'd love to get some thoughts from you here. We're about to dive into some Ripple versus the SEC lawsuit news, but I think that video pretty much speaks for itself. How do you feel about Kevin O'Leary promoting FTX and what is the deal here? Do these players know they're going to collapse beforehand and they're driven to guide people into these things or are they misled themselves and now they look like fools? I think Kevin O'Leary, O'Leary, oh yeah, you know, he also lost money. That's what he said. And he made a misjudgment. However, I think Kevin O'Leary is in such a network with other you know, RSW people um, that they will help uh, Sam Bankman-Fried. And they will say, you know what? If you play the dumb guy, you, you gave us also to the government, we gave, you gave so much money away. You play the dumb guy, you'll just say, uh, I, I didn't know. And uh, then we can make a case out of it because then you will just say it is bad management because he says, I don't know what happened at uh, Alameda Research. So then it's it's just bad management and we'll, we will save you, you know? And I think that, uh, that Kevin O'Leary has so much investments and so much is so much in a network that he has to to protect some people in that network you know they all protect each other and sometimes they make a wrong decision but that's how it works that it, it's the yeah what we in the past used to call the the old boys network you know and and they all helped each other and that's that's still happening here but you know the, the more and more people get aware of stuff which is not correct and that, that bomb will yeah is currently loading and exploding a little bit and we will get uh, we will get there and uh, i'm also sure that uh, that our friend bitboy does a good job only I'm, I'm a little bit worried about him you know take care of yourself take care of your health because you are not making only friends with what you're doing no he's definitely not making friends that's for sure i just want to point out i'm proud that i think this might be the first time on the show we heard andrew say rat snake weasel so that's great congratulations andrew i'm very proud of that you know at the end of the day it's no surprise 
that that um what the hell's his name o'leary is still talking about and babs i was like you by the way i didn't like him and i liked him because i thought he changed his mind and then you see he's continuing you know he definitely we're getting a lot of use of the rat snake weasel today he's definitely you know towards the bottom of the scale now but here's the thing johnny have you shown anybody in the middle of that index or is everybody just on one end of the spectrum or the other i mean there's a whole there's a whole middle portion of the dial you got to put to work there there. were a few people we had well kevin you know i had kevin like really back here you know on the low end of it but i i have to put him all the way at this end now he's right there that ends getting crowded i'm just saying if you got sam kevin gary jim kramer i mean we're gonna need a bigger scale we're gonna need a, gonna need a hey Becky, are you listening? I'm gonna need a bigger dial. But um, no, I'm just kidding. But the uh, the reality is, think about this. The reason why he and this Shelly, shout out to our girl Shelly. Shelly, I know you're recovering from a head injury or whatever it was a few weeks ago. I hope you're doing well. And poor Shelly's always in the hospital. I hope you, she's doing well. But uh, you know, just remember this. At the end of the day, um, O'Leary's out there and he's still promoting. You know what? He probably got paid a shit ton of money. And so, yeah, he's sitting out there and he's, you know, he, he collected a lot and, and he came out and, you know, made his disclosure there. And I love, I was like, oh, their parents are in compliance. So I don't need to worry. My money is safe there. Guess what? That company, FTX, had 50 people, five zero, 50 people running the entire company. Kraken has 100 people alone in their compliance department. So that goes to show you the scale and size. Of they weren't even anywhere near where they needed to be to be a company that big handling that amount of mil- billions of dollars and to have only 50 people running the whole entire company. It was set up for failure from day one if anybody had done their research on FTX. It's unbelievable, Johnny. And I, this is a great time to show our listeners the smartest way to track your crypto, my friends. I'm going to give you a couple seconds to pull up that ad and then we'll be ready to roll. Here we go. Have you gotten wrecked in the crypto market space or watched your crypto portfolio go all the way up and then all the way down without taking profits? If so, it's probably because you didn't have an exit plan. The good news is that doesn't need to happen anymore thanks to a new and innovative crypto tracker called Merlin. It's the smartest way to track your crypto. Merlin brings all your coins into one place so you can see all your assets across the different exchanges on one screen. You can see your total portfolio value and more importantly, your daily gains, losses and totals since inception. Merlin puts the power back in your hands so you no longer have to guess what your portfolio is doing on a daily or monthly basis. Most importantly, Merlin lets you create an exit plan and sends you notifications when your targets are reached so you no longer have to get wrecked in the marketplace. Go to MerlinCrypto.com, that's MerlinCrypto.com, and sign up for early access for our free 30-day trial and get on the wait list so you can receive an email when the product is launched this fall. Don't miss out on this new and innovative app, Merlin. It's the smartest way to track your crypto. crypto. Johnny, there were some rumors about the World Economic Forum possibly working with Shiba Inu. And when Shiba Inu rockets, the best way to exit this market is by having a plan. So I'm going to give you the floor and then we'll dive into some news. Make sure you have an exit plan, folks. Make sure you sign up. Click on the link below. Go to www.merlincrypto.com. Sign up for the wait list so you can uh, start setting up uh, your portfolio. to track all your coins, see what's going on. Hopefully, we're just about out of this nasty bear market, and you're going to want to have something to see. Where, when, when things start pumping, that's when it gets nervous. I'm, I'm always very calm when we're in a bear market. I get very, very, and I'm curious if the rest of you guys do too, but I get very, very nervous when we're in a bull market because, you know, when you got multiple coins and they're pumping and you don't know what's doing what and when to get out, I get very nervous about that. Scenario. I don't like that feeling. So... Anyway, you, you, know, so you know, Johnny, I'm not nervous at all. Mm. As soon as, as long as you know your exit plan, and that's you know, that's exactly what I teach you 
in the in the, the advanced investor course. Before yes. you go in the coin, you already know when meant to go out. So there is no risk. Just set your alarms, and with that we can do in in the Merlin application. Sell what you promised yourself to sell, and don't believe what's yeah in, in between your ears. Just do it, and you yes. will love yourself later. So there is no reason to worry. Just stick to the plan. Hundred, you know. 100% right. You talk about something that's so important. This is important for our listeners to get this. We created plans, exit plans, about a year, year and a half ago in the academy. And I'll never forget um, one of my plans. A target hit. It was it was in Cardano, and I had the target, and I went put it in hit, and I had it all set to hit enter, and I couldn't. It was so hard to hit the enter button, Andrew. But because I had a plan, I remember. You know, it's always this fear of missing out. You're afraid that you know if you don't, you know, if you sell, it's going to keep going higher, right? Well. Thankfully, I, I remember Coach's word. He had the same problem, and he said, no, I created a plan. I'm going to stick to it, and he hit the button. So I did the same thing. I hit the button. I sold it, and, and you know, I was really excited. I called all these guys. I text, hey, I sold, you know, like, like an idiot, you know, a little kid. And I'm so glad I did, Andrew, because if you look at where Cardano is now compared to where I sold my exit plan, you know, now I'm able to buy it back at double and triple the amount because I stuck to my exit plan. And it's so hard to do. But one of the things having an exit plan does, and so important, as Andrew said, when you get into something, know when you're getting out, so you take the emotion out of the game. If you take the emotion out, you have a chance. You know, you I even teach you how to set your limit order before mm. the price is already there. So then you also take out the emotion. Because if you set the limit order for, for example, 10% higher, then you are happy now. And then it just all of a sudden happens with the spike. And then it's done, you know, and you don't sell all at the same time. So, you know, have a plan ready and and, and take out, take the measures to take out your emotions. That's the Thank you, point. guys. And we got 249 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. We are about to get into the Rippleverse SEC news. We have some groundbreaking updates for our listeners, so I am very excited to show you here. Ripple has filed their final submission against the SEC, and it's a landmark as the case is finally nearing a resolution. One of the things we discussed earlier in the episode is what could be a major catalyst for the banks to start using XRP. And one of the things that we uh, pointed out is that they've already said Bank of America has already stated once this case is over, Bank of America is going to start leveraging Ripple's on-demand liquidity services in the United States. When Bank of America starts doing that, any bank using the old traditional system is going to be at a massive disadvantage. That's what this clip is breaking down here. So we're about to break down this news. Here we go. On Twitter yesterday about what do you think's going to happen on Ripple? I said, what I think is going to happen is everybody's going to overreact, whether it's a win or a loss, because what this judge has to say about it is really not going to be that important. Mm, there are two more layers of appeals when an appellate court says about this and eventually the Supreme Court. That's what will matter. Hey, I want to go back and just say I used the term settlement earlier when I talked about Ripple. Um, when I talked about Brad House and Stuart Alvarati. And look, it could be a settlement. It could be, you know, the end of the case and, and, and the judge may settle the case. What I really mean to say is a conclusion. So I don't want anybody to read into it. Nobody told me there's a settlement. The conclusion of the case. Um, but one of the things that Stuart said to me was he thinks when it's over, it's over. So I thought that was really cool. Johnny, I'm just going to give you the floor. There was a lot stated within that interview, but one of the things that continues to come to fruition is that the largest banks on the planet are waiting for the SEC before they get involved in this market. What does that clip mean to you that the CEO of Bank of America is stating we could see an overreaction to the end of the lawsuit? Yeah, I mean, you know, there's 100% truth to that. There's no question about it. <clears throat> 
well, what I think you're going to see is two things. First, I think you're going to see some reaction before before there's a lawsuit, and because the insiders are going to know, and you're going to see price movement happening before, and then you'll see an overreaction once it comes out with people, you know, dumping on. That's going to be a huge liquidation event, right? Um, so the big boys are probably buying now. They'll get ready to dump. They'll see how high this thing can go off of that momentum of that news, right? Buy the rumor, sell the news kind of a thing. Um, and so I think that's what you're going to see happen. I don't think Ripple's going to be any different. I don't think XRP is going to be any different from that perspective. The only thing is once we clear all of that, I think then you're going to have a real chance for price discovery of XRP in the long run. It's just no longer going to have the monkey on its back. And if Alderay, Stuart Alderay is saying when it's over, it's over, that would mean there would have to be a settlement because the kid or somebody there or somebody said is right. If this goes to court and it gets, uh, you know, just because one judge makes a ruling, that is true. You can then appeal and then you can appeal again and you can appeal again and all these different courts. And it takes freaking forever. So the best interest, the best thing in, in XRP's interest, Ripple would need to do is find a way to get a settlement. And the only way they're going to get that is if the SEC agrees to say that it's no longer a security today. I can hear the dollar signs right now, Johnny Crypto. But Gonzo, I want to get your thoughts on this article here. Stuart Alderati tweeted out last night. He said, Following, follow the bouncing regulator in, in regards to the SEC. The Howey test provides a clearly expressed test for determining what constitutes as an investment contract, the SEC said back in 2021. In 2022, they stated Hinman's speech provided 13 expressed non-exhaustive factors that market participants could consider. So basically what the SEC is admitting is that the Howey test is not compliant for today's day and age. It doesn't meet the qualifications to define what an investment contract is, which is great for Ripple. Gonzo, I'd love to get some of your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, that's been the whole um, kind of crux of the case, right? That's what they're kind of leaning on, that it's not an investment contract. I think that's when they did their submissions. Um, that's what they're, they're focused on, not on the um, fair notice defense, which is what library used, which we now see did not work, right? Um, and so... But yeah, I mean, we've always thought that, you know, we're going to get resolution in the spring of next year. Um, I agree with Johnny. The only way you get true clarity is in a settlement because that means the matter is resolved. If they actually go to court and then they win, it can be appealed and they can be appealed again. Once it gets all the way to the Supreme Court, then once the Supreme Court rules on it, they rule on it. In between that, you could see some serious price action, right? You could see it go all the way up, like they say. And then because they won the case and then maybe it comes out that, oh, they're appealing down and then back up again, you know, and then the Supreme Court rules on it or whatever. And then and back up. It's kind of what, what price action does. So um, but I, I do think that we're getting close. Um, I, I think that next year is when we're going to get that resolution. Um, but and, and we'll see how that what that looks like, because there might be something in that either case or in the new legislation that comes in that redefines the Howey test, because we've all talked about this, how we need a new Howey test that it, uh, references digital assets, because the um, law is very, very outdated. And so we all feel that that's what, that, that's what they should do. That's what we should get. But, you know, we'll see how that plays out. Gonzo, one of our listeners commented here something very interesting, and I think we pointed this out on the channel before. Back in 2015, I believe it was oh, – it's it's escaping me now, but there was some government agency that listed XRP as a currency. And what's really interesting about this comment, it says, how is the judge going to rule on a fake case when there is no crypto definitions? Also, XRP was declared a currency in a court of law back in 2015. 
Instead of streaming for views, why don't you do your own research, my friend? This is my research, and I love that we can talk about this stuff on air. I have no – if you can point out something that I didn't know, that'd be phenomenal, but I knew all that information, so nothing new there. Johnny Crypto, I'd love to get some closing remarks here. Yeah, just to this guy's point, you know, we don't ever like to bash anybody. So, Travis, my man, if you're saying that there is a court case out there, an actual court case ruling – Please give us the docket number, put it in, post it there in our chat. We'll be glad to check that out. We did research on this and we did show you that back in 2015, the government agency came out and said it was a currency. That was not a ruling. A government agency cannot make a court ruling. That's Johnny, that same agency listed Ripple as a money services business. So if that was truly a ruling, then the SEC would have no jurisdiction in suing Ripple in the first place. So and that and that's why I'm asking my man Travis here. Travis, if you actually have you know, details of a real court ruling and not just the agency stating it, please send that to us. We'll, we will definitely deep dive and look into it. But we did not come across that it was a court ruling. We came across that it was just a government agency statement. So would love to see that court ruling. Please send that along our way. And uh, we, we will we will definitely deep dive that for sure if that's the case. And Andrew Cashlow, we got 264 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. I'm sure some of them are in the Netherlands, and that means Andrew's close by. But we got an update from Brad Garlinghouse this week. He was very excited about a possible resolution between SEC and Ripple, and they've been making nothing but bold statements over the past three or four months. Brad Garlinghouse said, I said it on day one. We will aggressively fight to get clear rules for the entire crypto industry within the United States. Congrats to the entire Ripple team on getting to us to this point. Ripple stood strong and withstood the SEC's onslaught. I look forward to being on the right side of justice. And I'm going to put this in here myself, the right side of history, Andrew. So what do you think about Brad Garlinghouse and Stuart Alderati making these bold statements against the SEC while finally we may be getting a resolution? You know, I get a little bit tired of the whole situation. I mean, there's just, just the will there is lacking the will to 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 solve it, and everybody is afraid to make a to make a decision. The judges are afraid. You know, the the the, the RSWs they are maybe withholding a lot of stuff. And um, for for now, I say, you know, just yeah, hold hold on your XRP and just wait what happens. We cannot predict predict the future. When I see it in the graph, I see a, a flag pattern starting from the top in, uh, in, uh, in, in April 2021 till now. So I expect a sort of breakout, either lower or higher, may maybe higher. And uh, yeah, again, have you have your exit targets ready to, 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 play, to play the game here? That, that, that's important. If is XRP low at the moment? Yeah, pre pretty low. So uh, you could uh, you could uh, take take advantage of that. No financial advice, of course, but do your own research. Thank you, Andrew and Gonzo. I'd love to check at some closing remarks here. One of the things I find interesting about this ongoing lawsuit is that just in these past two or three months, we've seen the trillion-dollar institutions come out and indirectly support Ripple by supporting blockchain use cases. And many of the uh, companies that we've seen are the largest companies on the planet, Amazon Web Services, MasterCard, Bank of America, we've even got BlackRock connections. And the last thing I want to ask you about this lawsuit is, do you believe that what I'm stating is correct? When inevitably one of these large financial institutions, Goldman Sachs, Bank of America, whoever it is, starts leveraging Ripple's on-demand liquidity, banks are going to have no choice but to follow, whether it's with a similar currency, 
or it's on XRP because if they don't, they're going to have no choice but to be beat out by the competition. So I'd love to get some closing remarks there. Do you believe that to be the case? When this lawsuit's over, are we going to see the trillion-dollar institutions start using XRP and other currencies for what, what the real use cases are? Yeah, um, I believe so. I think, I think you're right, Abs, because what will happen is um, these guys are going to create a whole new business model, and they're going to be leading edge. And if these guys don't keep up with that, they're going to fall by the wayside, right? If Bank of America starts leveraging, um, you know, ODL um, and they're able to make money that way and they're able to move money at the speed of light and bring in new innovation into an old system, um, these guys are all going to follow suit, right? There's always that leader that does something and then everyone else falls in line because if they don't and if they don't change or they don't adopt the tech, um, th they fall by the wayside. And so um, I do think that, and I, I think BFA is going to be leading that pack. Uh, they're probably already setting up, like we've talked about this before, Abs, where these decisions aren't made overnight. They don't build this tech stuff overnight. This has been happening. And what it seems like to me is that the Ripple lawsuit thing was a chance to let these banks catch up, right? Because at the beginning, when we're talking about when this thing was all rolled out and there was no real use case, they thought it was a joke. They thought it was a fad. They thought it was going to go away. Once they realized that it was something serious, they had to adapt, right? And they had to start building. And so a way to slow it down was to sue Ripple, right? And to get everyone disinterested while they continue to build the railways, right? Because they're not going to build them overnight. So that overnight. So that's what they've been doing. That's why this case has taken so long. It's giving them a chance to catch up. Thank you, Gonzo. And that's a great place to end our Ripple XRP content for today because we have some fantastic updates from the World Economic Forum as well. Last week, there were some rumors circulating about the World Economic Forum working with Shiba Inu founders on creating a metaverse for the future. Little did we know this was a complete lie. So the World Economic Forum dot denies that it asked Shiba Inu to work with them on a metaverse global policy. Met, uh, the World Economic Forum denied its inevitable Shiba Inu to work with its global metaverse policy following claims that the meme coins development team had last week. While there was an exploratory call with the organizers of Shiba Inu, it did not extend an invitation, said the World Economic Forum. And out of almost the 23,000 followers that were polled on Twitter, 62% expressed interest in Shiba Inu working with the World Economic Forum. And Johnny, one of the things that catches my attention here is the World Economic Forum's uh, Metaverse Initiative was launched in Davos this May. And of course, every single thing on this channel doesn't need to come back to XRP, but another XRP connection there, my friend. So what do you think about the World Economic Forum denying the claims and the connections to Shiba Inu? You know, what's interesting is they probably weren't too smart to do that because Shiba Inu has a huge, huge community following. You might want to welcome some of the folks, folks in there. But, you know, I mean, for me, it's one of those things where, you know, you've got Doge, you've got Shiba. I'm, I think people are still trying to figure out where these meme coins, how they're going to play into the whole cryptocurrency ecosystem, to be honest with you, Abs. Um, but but I, I'm not surprised that we don't, you know, that the World Economic Forum is denying that. I wouldn't expect them to be working with, with, a, with a meme coin technology, but who knows? We'll see what happens. We'll see if the truth comes out that they really were. Usually when they say one thing, they mean the other. So who knows? Maybe they really were and you're just not going to know about it. Andrew Cashflow building off of that. How long until we see the Shiba Inu metaverse take over the entire world? And of course, I'm just kidding. But one of the things that sticks out to me in this interview is a couple of weeks ago, we were going through Coinbase or Crypto.com's reserves. And we found that 60% or sorry, 35% of the reserves that Crypto.com had were Shiba Inu. So it's really interesting. There's clearly a demand for this currency. There's clearly, just like Johnny said, a massive community behind them. 
What does this article mean to you, the World Economic Forum distancing themselves from CBE News? Um, actually, uh, what I must say is it's already said by, by Johnny. You know, um, don't believe a word what they say, but look what they are doing. And it wouldn't, I, I, I cannot imagine that there is not a task force or a group within the World Economic Forum really studying and building something with crypto because they have to be ahead and they are not going to tell you. So uh, that that must be it. And uh, um, yeah, what, what can I say more? You know, they, they will still uh, deny it until there is a product ready and they will need to, um, to move everybody in. I mean, the Corona app in the Netherlands also was all of a sudden, it was there. You know, and, and, and first of all, it was not necessary and it was all safe. And, you know, they they come up with a statement when they are ready and not before. Yep. And Gonzo, I love this comment here from Mentelect. It says decentralization maxis. And this is such a great point. It applies to every project out there. They're all anti-corporation until the corporations show up with their big pockets and are ready to fund your projects, whether it's XRP or any of these other cryptocurrency projects. When Goldman Sachs, BlackRock, you know, the largest institutions on the planet start to put money into these things, that's when the people who are in this market now really get to reap the rewards. I'd love to get some thoughts from you on this as well. It said 2025 is the longest it will take. The shakeout could possibly be done right now. I'd love to get some thoughts from you. And then we're going to play this video on Gary Gensler stating Goldman Sachs may know who Satoshi is. Um, yeah, I mean, we, we, that's the, that's what we've all been, um, uh, you know, doing, that's my investment thesis, right? That the next bull runs in 2025. I know that in the short term, it feels like, um, you know, we've been in a bear market forever and I think we'll continue to be in a bear market, but as we transition, you know, the four year cycles are still alive and well, we still have not broken that pattern. And until somebody shows me some evidence that we've broken away that this time it was actually different. Cause we hear that every four years that this time it's different, we're still kind of in this bull bear market cycle thing, right? And so I know it feels different this time, but Bitcoin hasn't done anything different than it's done in the past. We haven't even gotten all the way down to our full pullback, right? Which could be up to 85%. But um, I definitely don't really understand the question, but I definitely think that in 2025, we will be going, you know, this is the extreme. We're at the other end of the extreme, right? We were at a bull run. Now we're at the bottom and then there's going to be a top, right? And there, and there, trust me, uh, it, whether it's 2025, maybe it takes longer because of the macro, whatever that is, whatever that time frame is, there's going to be a top. And when we get to that top, it's going to be the exact opposite of what we're hearing now. It's going to be Bitcoin going to a million dollars. You know, this time it's different. We're going to hear all the different arguments that we heard before, but in the positive, right? And then like everything else, it'll roll over we'll make that first lower low and that'll give us a signal that, Hey, it's time to get out because we're going to start that downtrend. Johnny um, crypto. But, oops, sorry. Yeah. No, that was it. Thank you. Gonzo and Johnny crypto. I'm going to hit my mute button. I'm going to play this groundbreaking clip here because Gary Gensler deleted one of his courses from the MIT section. So this is from 2018 and this is course number 18. They have deleted this video. And for good reason, my friend, it pretty much speaks for itself. We're going to let this short clip play and go to Johnny crypto. And then the rest of the group, here we go. Nobody actually knows who Satoshi Nakamoto, well, maybe, maybe uh, my former colleague at Goldman Sachs knows. I'm going to let it play twice, Nobody Johnny. Nobody actually knows who Satoshi Nakamoto, well, maybe, maybe 
uh, my former colleague at Goldman Sachs knows. You know what's interesting is that he makes a joke. It's very funny, but there is a wallet out there with over 800,000 Bitcoin in it that are yet to be touched, Johnny Crypto. And can you imagine if it's true that they do know who created this cryptocurrency and the fact that Goldman Sachs or whoever it is behind the scenes actually controls nearly 7% of the total float? It could be massive. I'd love to get some of your thoughts. Uh, well, I'll tell you what, we're getting a lot of use today out of this rat snake weasel meter. I mean, we know that Gary's really on there, right? And there's no question about it that people know who who created it. I mean, this is same, and it is the perfect evidence, right? We've been saying it that somebody, you know, created it for a certain reason, you know, to get it out there for 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 a trial of something, right? And so we're not going to know what the answer is until you know, another 10, 15 years from now. But most likely it's pretty obvious that where we're headed towards is a CBDC. And if you go back and you look at the paperwork all the way down in the 90s, it was always this idea of, of that kind of a thing. So to me, this is just this is a way to help promote it and get it out there. And th it, to be honest with you, Abs, I've said this for a while. It's almost irrelevant at this point who created it because the ball's already been rolling. If, if you think it wasn't something nefarious or maybe it was or wasn't, it doesn't mean, you know, a lot of times you hear, you know, the government created it or whatever. The point is, at this point, what we're trying to understand is where are we going? Where is this whole entire market going, right? And how do we make sure we position ourselves and our families for generational wealth? To me, that is where I'd rather put my energy in, and that's what I focus on. But by the way, I do want to get congratulations to uh, to Andrew, by the way. The Netherlands did defeat the U.S. 3-1, to one, unfortunately, in the World Cup on Saturday. So, you know, for us U.S. fans, it helped. Not much left there, but the Netherlands is still there, so we'll see what happens. And I got Argentina with all the Italians, so we'll see how it goes. But congratulations on that, Andrew. And I want to remind our listeners that this Wednesday, we do have Mark Yusko joining the show. And the Daily Hoddle published an interesting article around Mark Yusko stating that he believes Bitcoin could replace gold and eventually reach a $5 trillion market cap or a $250,000 price target. We're not going to have enough time to dive deep into this article, but Andrew Cashflow, I'm going to give you the open floor. What did you think about Gary Gensler publicly admitting that Goldman Sachs maybe knows who Satoshi is, as well as our friend Mark Yusko saying $250,000 Bitcoin, it's inevitable? Um, I, it wouldn't wonder me if Gary Gensler would know if who is Satoshi Nakamoto. It wouldn't wonder me at all. And um, yeah, of course, we are all curious about it. But the question is also why, and that's really a question from my part, why did they create uh, a Bitcoin as mm -hmm. an alternative for, the, for a possible central bank digital currency? So what is here the role of the banks in relation to the governmental organizations? And, you know, so there is also... A, 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 a hidden agenda because normally central banks work together with with governments and uh, what you also see is that that big big banks they work also for themselves more or less so i think they leave two options open either they go their own route with the with the with, with the decentralized cryptocurrencies or they go together with uh, with the cdbc's but you know, but then the the the, cent the central banks has the has the saying. So I think they just saw it as a necessary evil to to yeah at least to push Bitcoin and 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 to get this all. And maybe they never would have imagined that that cryptocurrency would take so much off with all other kind of uh, 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 projects. But that yeah, that makes this this time and age where we're living in so so interesting. Yeah. 
You know? Yes. Thank you, Andrew. And we're going to close this episode out the same way we always do by saying thank you to each one of our special guests. Thank you to Andrew Cashflow. Thank you to Super G. And thank you to the Italian stallion himself. We got Mark Yusko joining the show this Wednesday. Going to dive into all the most important topics and specifically XRP and FTX. 247 live listeners. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And like we always say, Warriors, rise. Get your shit together, baby. Thank you for joining us. Let's go.